At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's okay if no one's listening to these because the narration helps us focus. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings are available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get those perks. I'm, I was gonna do it for you. I, you but. know, I didn't. I didn't prep you on it. Go ahead, John. Unless, of course, the you're a patron. Get perks. <laughs> the chemistry isn't there. You're right. It's just you're right. Yeah, we should just keep going. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. I can't deal with his sad eyes. It's John Negroni, ladies and gentlemen. You're mocking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm. I am not. I am most certainly not. I am most certainly not. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited to have John on to talk Pixar. Uh, we just got finished with a beautiful members pre-show about Pixar and kind of the future of the company and where they are now and our thoughts on all their stuff going to streaming instead of to theaters until light year, all that stuff uh, in the pre-show for you if you want to listen to it. But John, is Pixar famous? We've had him on the show many times to talk uh, about Pixar and other movies as well. Um, and is now a co-member in the CCA, the Critics' Choice Association. So congratulations, John. Thank you. I, I know the custom is I have to bow and <laughs> hand you a vial right. of my, you know, tears. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, yes. I'm glad you've studied up on the manual. I think right, that's really, yeah. really good that you're... You mean the Bible that they gave? <laughs> yes, I think it's, it's good that you're taking all that seriously, for sure. <laughs> uh, excited to have you on. Always excited to talk a new Pixar movie. Um, it is certainly something that uh, if you have listened to Sif Pop for any amount of time, you know my love of Pixar and the fact that if you look at my favorite movies of all time, there's one company that dominates, um, and, uh, and that is, is Pixar, because I love the movies that much. Um, so yeah, excited to chat a lot of that stuff with you, uh, as well as Spiderhead. We're going to take a look at the new Netflix movie uh, Spiderhead and uh, pick your brain on that one as well. 
Um, so, and then we've got a best ever challenge today on best ever Chris movies, um, since we've got uh, Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans uh, in starring respectively in these movies. Uh, we thought we'd take a look at the Pratt, Evans, Pine, Hemsworth uh, filmography and see who comes out on top. Uh, and then, of course, we'll do some buried treasure at the end as well. But uh, let's kick it off, John. Let's get right into it. Let's start talking about Lightyear. Ready, Captain Lightyear? Ready as I'll ever be, Commander Hawthorne. This is exciting. A new adventure. I'm going to grant you four minutes to be off planet, but then you come right back to us. To infinity. And beyond. You are clear for hyperlaunch. Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. Buzz? That was utterly terrifying, and I regret having joined you. Legendary Space Ranger Buzz Lightyear embarks on an intergalactic adventure alongside a group of ambitious recruits and his robot companion, Socks. Um, I had a little bit of a brain hiccup there when I said intergalactic because I just wanted to start singing Beastie Boys. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> we are back in the Toy Story universe, sort of, not really in the movie. Uh, this is famously a uh, Pixar pitch from Chris Evans gone wrong on Twitter where <laughs> he said, I'm going to play Buzz Lightyear, not the character from Toy Story, but the actual astronaut Buzz Lightyear. Uh, we know now that what he meant was the movie that Andy would have seen in 1995 uh, that made him fall in love with Buzz Lightyear. As complex and interesting as that concept is to go through, what about the movie itself, John? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? That you, you invoked the BC Boys, and that, of course, put me in the mindset of Star Trek Beyond. And I can only think of one thing when I'm just like summing up my thoughts on this movie and I'm like, well, what is that? What is Lightyear? Because it's like kind of, um, it's like you said, it's like we're an in inception and it's like one dream within the dream. So if like the Pixar universe is a dream of, you know, mm -hmm. I assume Andrew Stan, uh, Stan and Pete doctor collectively, then we're in like Andy's dream within that universe, <laughs> because this is, it's like you said, it's like him in the theater. They did like the early access screening, watching what would become his favorite movie, Lightyear, and that's why he buys the toy, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of breaks canon, but you know, whatever. Just don't <laughs> don't worry about that. What uh, did I think of the actual movie, though? Yeah, did uh, you like it, love it, dislike uh, it, hate it, or it was just okay? Yeah, sorry, I went on a tangent. Uh, just okay. All right, uh, I'm going to go with liked it. Um, kind of right in the middle, maybe teetering on the low side of liked it. I, I get the sense this one may diminish for me over time, um, and there's some reasons to kind of get into that. Um, but I had a good time and I, you know, I, there's a, a sense of humor and a sense of understanding character work in this movie that is just going to pull me along for the ride. Like, I'm just going to be interested in what's the next fun thing socks is going to say, uh, you know, what's the next fun situation that these people are going to be in. Um, and so I never felt bored. I never felt disinterested and I always felt like I was, having fun. I, I enjoyed the movie, even if I didn't kind of have some of the um, more emphatic feels uh, that, that many of the other Pixar movies might give me. Yeah, I've been trying to investigate why that might be, too, because I feel like that's a pretty common opinion at this point. I was kind of looking at it as if you look at all the uh, the sequels and the prequels, the franchise things, this is a spinoff. 
then for me, like I have like different like levels, you know, I have mm-hmm. probably the upper tier of that are movies like, you know, the Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, obviously. But then you go a little further down, you're in like Monsters University, Incredibles 2, like the good ones, you know, the ones that are just like, you know, that's where I'm at, like really liked it. And I think then you get a little bit lower. That's when you're at like Cars 3, Finding Dory. And I think this, I think this is in like that little club, you mm-hmm. know, they're in their own cabin, you know, having a good time, I'm sure. But uh, I'm certainly, I don't want to be their counselor. Um, <laughs> Cause I, I just, it's like you said, I, I think this movie, it it's Pixar Star Trek. It's a Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. It's weirdly low stakes in some ways. I mean, not, not totally. Like, I don't want to be too super literal about it, but mm-hmm. um, does that make sense? Like it's, it's almost like I don't quite get why the story had to be told mm-hmm. or why they felt like they really want to tell the story beyond a shareholder meeting, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's trying to tread over some ground about um, independence versus community. You know, the idea of uh, that the, let's just say the American ideal of, you know, bootstrap living and I've got this and kind of that heroic, you know, one person versus the world kind of thing and kind of going at it and saying, "Eh, actually we're better off if we work together. Um, so I think I think that's what it's trying to do. I'm not sure that that lands in the same way as some of the other themes and messages that they've done, because I'm not sure at the end of the day that there's really those earned moments um, by the end. Because like you said, it's interesting, the, the playground the movie is on is big, right? There's a lot of big stuff happening. Um, the ideas are big. The idea of you know, um, what he's going through that I don't necessarily want to spoil. That's a big idea though. And it deals with some, some real genuine, uh, pathos when you think about it, like genuine emotion. If you think about being in a situation like he's in and yet the movie doesn't treat it as if it matters that much. And that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Cause I think the external conflict is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think the the challenges externally that are happening to Buzz, happening to these kind of, he has these like buddy characters, he has to whip up into shape and it's, it's fun watching them, you know, one of them's voiced by Taika Waititi and he's mm-hmm. just kind of like a goofball and like they have fun hijinks and it's, you know, it moves. It's not like the movie's slow, but I think what separates Pixar movies from a lot of other animated films, a lot of films in general that are more like blockbuster is they have the external conflict, but the internal stuff is usually really, really compelling, like mm-hmm. more compelling than you expect. And so like when I made, when I was figuring out like what this movie was missing, like after watching the movie, I was like, well, why am I not over the moon for this? You know, pun intended. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because like that, that conflict of like, you know, Buzz has to learn to trust other people. And it's hard for me to even kind of articulate like what they're mm-hmm. going for. Whereas I can look at like recent movies like Soul, where that's so easy for me to get like why mm. that hit me you know it's like right. you know what if what if you think like your purpose is the same thing as your dream and that's not true mm-hmm. like shoot whoa okay like you know turning red it's you know like what if like the thing that you know you've been repressing for your family actually is what makes you unique and mm-hmm. like that's it just comes alive when you start to like think about what the movie's about light year what if time ch- stuff like i don't even know how to like <laughs> what if you know. need other people well, yeah. in, in, in honestly, the movie, the movie has a pretty interesting story turn. Um, mm-hmm. and you, but the problem is you can almost feel that that was the starting point. And, and it's, 
I'm not sure how that big story turn plays into the other themes of the movie. And generally in Pixar movies, they're really good about carrying the thread of that theme through all the story choices. And I think in this case, it was like, oh, we've got a big sci-fi reveal we want to do. And even if it doesn't really hit home with it, because that's there's a different message then at that point, at least that I'm picking up with, you know, where they chose to go with um, with the end. So and I'm talking mm-hmm. again around some ending spoilers. But do you understand what I'm saying? Like, how I the, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was something that I really liked Onward. I think Onward is much better than this movie. Yes. But. At the same time, I think that's something that Onward kind of tripped up with, too, because it had a really good sort of reversal. But when you rewatch that movie, it is hard to sort of take that like message that they sort of like whip around and apply it to the rest of the film. It almost kind of like retroactively (laughs) sort of changes what you think of the earlier parts of the film. But I don't think it's as graceful as a movie like how Inside Out does that Mm -hmm. or how Coco does that. Um, so some of Pixar's best movies tend to just more you rewatch them, the richer the experience. And then there are just those Pixar movies where one time is probably enough because it's probably not going to get much better after that. I, but I, at the same time, I'm curious, like, are kids going to love this? Am I souring on something that is going to be like the next Andy's favorite movie? And I doubt that, honestly, <laughs> because I, I honestly, Aaron, I, I don't know, like what your experience was watching this movie, but like people laughed. Like, there was a lot of laughter. There was in yeah, our theater. Pe- there was a lot of laughter. But like the kids, like there were kids sitting in front of me and they were just like, they, they couldn't wait to leave. They were just like, all right. <laughs> the kids you know, right like, to my right were definitely laughing at a lot of the socks stuff. Um, oh yeah. No, socks is instant icon. Which, which for me is like, well, why, why did Andy not get a socks toy then? Why did he get Buzz yes. Lightyear? <laughs> like, we were just talking about that. Uh, with Charlie Ridgely from comicbook.com. He was just like that. That's what breaks Ganon the most probably. Socks is too it, lovable. Yeah, Andy would have definitely gotten a, a, yeah. a socks companion toy, at least to his Buzz Lightyear toy. Um, we know he's a dog person, so maybe it's that. But uh. yeah, could be, could be, could be. Did you find Did you find it interesting the way this movie played with that idea of canon? Like, did you find it Did you find it interesting the way this movie had uh, you know references that that worked? With canon, like the idea that this is a movie that would have come out in 94 or 95 and that some of the references were from that era. I found that stuff at least interesting. It's like half and half because like whenever the movie was trying to be like having fun with 90s stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. with like the old technology, the analog technology, Mm -hmm. that was cool. Yeah. Because that felt different and unique. They they weren't doing the super cutting edge technology. Right. It's kind of like, you know, like watching Alien, right? Right. Yes. It's fun. Um, or watching like one of the sequels, which is like, well, we have to kind of stick to what Alien was doing or like the original Star Wars. And it kind of has to have that mm-hmm. lo-fi tech thing. That stuff was cool. When they were quoting like entire Toy Story things beyond the first scene where I think it's it's cool because it kind of like gently brings you into this universe. There were times when I think it was unnecessary when I was like, just be your own movie now. Like we don't have to keep doing Buzz's quotes, you know, from his like Space Ranger, you know voice box i don't think we need that and it kind of i don't know it, it I went think a little you, bit far see for me i think the voice box quotes make sense because they're sure. going to put stuff from the movie in the voice box of the the toy so you know every quote that's in that toy has to be in the movie i mean i think it breaks canon if they're not like that that it would be it would be weird if they weren't what doesn't work for me as much is some of the stuff that i think probably will work for others but like the um 
you're you know you're mocking me aren't you like that doesn't quite work for me because i'm like exactly that's something buzz lightyear said as a an awake toy it's not something that that you know andy would have known about or that would have would have been the movie it's i don't know that kind of weirds me out a little bit i'm like now i'm starting to try to connect the consciousness of this buzz lightyear toy to the movie and is that actual consciousness built into like you know like (laughs) i don't want to i don't want to have that thought experiment aaron i you know i oh it's been a long week (laughs) that's not what i get i don't want this from pixar right now i just really dig in (laughs) oh man i just want to have a good time but you have to ask that question if he's if he's saying the same line that an awake toy buzz lightyear is saying not again not from the voice box not on the the spaceship you know uh packaging just literally something that Buzz Lightyear just said to Woody, but he's saying it in the movie. That asks some interesting questions about where Buzz Lightyear's consciousness comes from. It really does. It, it sort of violates like some of the internal logic of the this movie. And right. Again, we're, we're really getting into it, huh? But because on the one hand, I think that like having Chris Evans voice the character was great because if it had been Tim Allen. Tim Allen has done such a great job with the character as like the kind of goofy buzz, you know, Mm -hmm. like the kind of delusional. If you try to do that voice in this movie, I feel like it's just not going to quite work because this buzz needs to, it has a different energy. And also like we kind of want something a little different. It would be a little bit too close to what we already gotten before. I agree. The problem is hearing what you're, you know, hearing those quotes, like hearing the, like the light humor of buzz via Tim Allen through Chris Evans it's a good impression, uh, but yeah, it's, I don't think it quite, quite works. Also, I forgot to mention that planet. I'm sorry, super boring. And if we're going to really spend is. our entire movie on that planet, could they not make it interestinger? I don't know. <laughs> the vines in uh, beetle-like uh, bugs weren't enough for you? I know, right? It's like we're literally like if you're going to do a movie about a space ranger in Chris Evans words, an astronaut, like, <laughs> why aren't we going to multiple places? Why are we should be going to all these planets and going on adventures? And like this movie lost me. I didn't watch the trailer. So I didn't know what the premise was. Right. I went into it just being like, give it to me. Like, let's do this. Yeah. And when I realized what this was going to be. I was so conflicted because I was like, that, that is cool. That's bold. Like it's mini interstellar, but at least an interstellar, they go to more than one place. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also interesting. And let's, let's, let's continue to get deep and philosophical about the idea of, of this movie, because I, I think it is interesting, but here, here's my question. Are we watching a computer generated version of what was a live action movie that Andy saw in 95? Because do we think that Andy is a live action human being? I think the answer is yes, but we're just seeing him as a computer generated, you know, universe. Or is this Doctor Strange in the multiverse where there are universes where beings are actually computer generated and animated or whatever? Um, so is this is this a live action film that we're seeing as computer generated? Or did Andy go see one of the first computer generated film and it was this that doesn't work because there's no way they had this kind of computer generated technology in 95 it's the pixar universe aaron in the pixar universe the incredibles had ai in the 60s that's true that's true and and there is live action in the pixar universe because there is live action in wally 
Um, mm-hmm. the, the that whole thing with uh, the CEO Shelby Forthright mm-hmm. of By and Large. He's in live action. Mm-hmm. So and they had like the commercials too, where it's like live action. So clearly there there's a little bit maybe some multiverse breaking there but uh for me to fully explain this you're right aaron i agree i should go through the entire book that i wrote so in chapter one we <laughs> in stores now uh um actually no it's being republished so it's not oh, available nice. right now uh, but it's going to come out soon someday did you do some addendums with the yes stuff? tons it's basically rewritten the whole thing because i i'm put punishing myself for <laughs> not really updating it for seven years that's right really should have been an annual update i mean if we're really being honest right yeah yeah and, and 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 i'm looking at the chats here and i want to i want to point something out because this what this is another thing that crystallizes my issue with this movie and it has to do with the consciousness thing i guess but in terms of like why this buzz and like this version of him is not as good as the toy version it doesn't have the i will go sailing no more moment where <laughs> it like makes you connect with the character mm-hmm. and that original toy story when he has been spent the whole movie thinking that he's a toy and him realizing he can't fly i'm tearing up just thinking about it mm-hmm. but in Lightyear, we don't get that like we kind of right. just get this guy who's a chris uh-huh. and it's it's very modern blockbuster it's not a very pixar character to me yeah and maybe that was kind of the handcuffs they put on with the this is a movie that was released in 1995 kind of thing like you know maybe that's they were going for 95 blockbusters you know summer blockbuster right um as opposed to pixar movie um and that's the you know it's just it's to me it's an interesting thought experiment because if if this is a live action film that andy is going you know to see in 95 um that to me changes a lot of some the tone things that are going on. Like there's there's a, this came up in my brain because we were talking about how boring the planet is, and I totally agree with that point. I think the planet is uninteresting uh, at best. Um, and these vines are treated as high stakes in one scene, and then after that are just comic relief, and just you know people will just get dragged away by vines, and it's like people wave their hands at it you know like it's not even a big deal it's and like I, taking your inciting incident and then resolving it off screen mm-hmm. in seconds it's weird. right and, and when not even resolving it just being like eh, it's just something you know we deal with now or whatever but um but if that's live action i don't understand the tone i don't understand the tone i don't understand how it's working i don't so like it's it, it just, again, the concept is so intricate and, and interesting. It's genuinely an interesting concept. But the second you start to kind of place it in places, it gets distracting for me, as does any uh, content that involves time travel, because my brain is just like, oh, and I'm I'm not confirming or denying. Yes, I'm confirming. There is time travel kind of stuff that happens in here as well, right? Um, not literally time travel any more than us just going from today to tomorrow is time travel literally um but you know it's time timey wimey wibbly wobbliness right so there's there's this stuff going on and my brain gets distracted well how does that work how does this work you know and it's just like i'm not saying movies can't touch on those places i'm just saying when they do they know i think they know their level of difficulty just kind of went up and mm-hmm. I, you know, this movie, uh, in both of those ways, both with its concept and its timey wimeyness, um, just kind of distracted me. Um, and so I found myself, honestly, 
just kind of giving in and just being like, okay, tell me a fun joke, you know, tell me, show me an interesting visual. Um, uh, because the other stuff is just kind of, I'm just, I, I, I wish I could be thinking deeper about it, but it's clear that I'm not going to be able to, to think too deeply about this one. I, yeah, this is one of those rare cases where I think like the movie isn't thinking that deeply and like, mm-hmm. it's like, you're, we're kind of like twisting ourselves in knots trying to make sense out of something that, yeah, I mean, compare this movie to the last time Pixar did a sci-fi movie. That's why I was looking forward to mm-hmm. it. Cause I was like, well, the last time we got sci-fi from Pixar, we got Wally, one of the best sci-fi films of the 21st century. So what are they going to do with Lightyear? And I try to separate it from, well, it's not a Toy Story movie. It's a Toy Story spinoff. Let them just sort of take that IP, that character and do their own thing. And this movie has spots of brilliance in that respect to the point where I've still, I think this is my opinion. If they had just made a robot cat movie named Socks, just call the movie Socks, this would probably be a home run. <laughs> like you don't need the Lightyear branding in my opinion, but I think it's just, well, we got to do it. We got to, we got to do another Toy Story movie, but we can't do Toy Story 5 because like, come on. Uh, I think after Toy Story 4, it's like, you can't really do that much left with the premise. Right. So now they have to do something else with their, you know, central franchise, the one that is like the beating heart of their company. But this is not, in my opinion, the way to do it. And, and I'm kind of a little nervous. Like, are they actually going to be able to do sequels? Because it doesn't mm-hmm. look like it's uh, this is succeeding. Yeah, we took a some. I think this was uh, uh, off show, uh, but we we took a look at kind of the early returns on Lightyear, and it doesn't appear to be a home run in theaters um, by any stretch of the imagination. So. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they want to do with this uh, down the line. Um, all right, anything else uh, that you want to mention about uh, Lightyear? We haven't talked about performances really at all. Um, I, I like this cast. I mean, I, you know, I'm a little sick of Taika Waititi, to be honest. Um, I, I don't love what he's doing in this, but I certainly, certainly thought that like Chris Evans brought some like life to the to the character that was interesting. And I want to shout out Peter Stone. I think Peter Stone, he voices Socks the cat. And I think Peter Stone's voice work here is like, like Edna Mode level, you know, of just nice. like, you know, somebody who is not a typical voice actor just coming in and doing something so fun that they couldn't hire somebody else to do it. So I think that that all really works. Kiki Palmer is quite good in this. And I, I just, I think the character writing could have been a lot better for some of these characters. I really liked commander hawthorne i really liked um that that character was voiced by uzo aduba and you know she's not in like the entire movie but she's in like a like where it really counts and i thought that was such an interesting character i think that's when like the movie had its biggest emotional beats for me were before the second act weirdly enough and i think it's it had like an up moment you know kind of Uh, i don't think it like hits that high but it gets a lot closer than I was expecting, but then it never comes back to that. So I was a little let down there. I was a little let down that Burnside was never like, oh, shoot, uh, during this movie um, and, and went to uh, Isaiah Whitlock Jr.'s catchphrase. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like Michael Giacchino's music in this? They really hammered that theme in mm-hmm. for Lightyear. Yeah, I, I thought the music was great. I, you know, I'm, I really, for me, scores are best when I don't notice them uh on my original viewing that it just kind of uh brings me where i need to be and then i listen to them afterwards um that's where i really find what i appreciate about them um 
I I try not to get distracted by uh, movie making stuff. It's one of the things I've really tried as I become more critical about how I view film is to save the more filmmaking stuff for future views, uh, future insight. Um, Sometimes I can't help it. Sometimes it's like this director is a genius shot composer and I'm just going to notice how incredible these shots are composed or how incredible this one take, you know, moment is. But for the most part, you should feel that stuff, not notice it, right? Like that's the idea. The idea is you're telling a story and anything that you notice outside of the story um, can become a distraction from the story. So the the goal, I think, would be to just tell a story where you're not paying attention to that stuff. So I try to kind of turn that part off until future viewings. But um, but I thought the score was beautiful from what I remember. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, save save the analysis, like the the technical analysis for the video essays. The review is for the people who haven't seen the movie yet or they just saw it for the first time and right. they're trying to sort of seek out other opinions. And when it comes to that, yeah, you can get into the technicals, but it, I tend to be pretty surface level with it just because I think that you do have to sort of sit with it. You, you know, you have to process that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, did that, did the way that they weaved in that score really bring that whole scene to life? You know, whatever you want to do. But I, I certainly was like, I knew it was Giacchino before I knew it was Giacchino because uh-huh, yeah. um, it's it's definitely his style. But I, I am like that. By the way, that is a reason why I don't like to watch the trailers before the movies anymore, because mm-hmm. that is really going to get me thinking about stuff before I actually see the movie with like in context. Yep. And so exactly. it's helpful. Yeah. Uh, you know, I agree. Um, yeah. I just now am realizing that Bill Hader was in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Blink and you'll miss it. And, and it was cool because I've been loving Barry season three. So I was like, hey, mm-hmm. yeah, give the man money. He deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. Put him in everything. Uh, I will also say three post credit scenes. Is that right? Like, uh, yeah, I, I wrote an article about this. Um, I, I will tell you the exact headline because I don't care about uh, my career, uh, my future, but I said Lightyear has three end credit scenes because it's not like you have anything better to do. Uh, And I I think in one paragraph, I say something along the lines of, you know, the real villain is you, you assuming things can change that you can change, but you can't, you will sit through all these post credit scenes, assuming they'll mean something to you. Something that reminds you of that one time this gimmick worked when you felt something in that (laughs) sticky purple chair, but like the silver light on that Limax screen, it's an illusion and it's time to leave. So the ushers can do their jobs. Um, it's one of our biggest articles of the week. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping, I was hoping it would kind of fly under the radar, but, uh, no, uh, it is interesting how post-credit scenes have become just this kind of accepted thing, and it is the bane of movie theater workers everywhere uh, it is. that we stick around till the very, very end. Um, but I have mixed feelings because, you know, it's nice that those people kind of get their props, but then I'm just like, yeah, but am I reading the names? I'm not reading any names. I'm looking at my phone until the post-credit scenes <laughs> start, so... So, you have yeah. to be on unless I love the movie so much like unless it's like Red Rocket and I'm just sitting there being like who is responsible for what just happened to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any final words about Lightyear, John? We, we not once invoked to infinity and beyond. I want to thank you, Aaron, for missing <laughs> that low hanging fruit. You know, we kind of we, we kept it. We kept it mature. We kept it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I like it. Well, I guess I Pixar Pier. It's fun. I guess I have to change my clothes here then. Um, <laughs> You're going to like reveal. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. My final thoughts are I don't think think you're going to have a bad time if you see this movie. I, I think this is enjoyable. I think it's fun. Lower the Pixar expectations of it, that idea of you're going to see something super deep, super meaningful. Um, I more often than not cry at Pixar movies. I did not even come close to getting emotional at this movie. Um, and that says something. So lower those kind of Pixar expectations. And I think you can have a good time. People are right about socks. Everybody's saying socks is, is the highlight and the standout. And that is true. Um, that is socks is a lot of fun. So yeah, I still recommend it. Go see it. Uh, all right, let's move into our next review. Let's talk a little bit about Spiderhead. That's Spiderhead. We're proud of our work presence in this facility, while technically a punishment, is a privilege. Where have you been? Drug study. In science, we have to explore the unknown. They've been testing me up and down, a lot weirder stuff than usual. This is new frontier stuff here. Before we begin, I need your permission to administer Dang 40. This place can really mess with your head. Drip on. Acknowledge. Drip on. Acknowledge. 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 A prisoner in a state-of-the-art penitentiary begins to question the purpose of the emotion-controlling drugs he's testing for a pharmaceutical genius. Uh, Spiderhead is out on Netflix this week, brought to us uh, by Joseph Kaczynski, who kind of owns the world right now um, with Top Gun Maverick doing so well. Um, which he directed, and I've enjoyed others of his. I've enjoyed most of his films, in fact. Um, I'm even a, an Oblivion fan. I, I think that's a lot of fun, and certainly on, uh, Only the Brave is a really, really good movie. So I'm always excited to see what he's up to. This brings Miles Teller uh, back to work with him and uh, Chris Hemsworth hanging out here as well with many others. So what did you think, John? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Is it possible to say I like disliked it or I liked disliking it? <laughs> You're just trying to break the system, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like you try to put the, you try to put like some kind of, put me in a room and experiment on me. And uh -huh. This is what happens. Yes, and this is just what happens. Um, yeah, you can say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah to everyone's peril um i'll stick with disliked it but in an interesting way i think that's a good way to say it um i think i'm on the um high side of okay um i think there's some really interesting stuff going on here i think the execution is really bad at times um but i think there's some some really thought-provoking things going on here i think it's structured really well um, and I enjoy a couple of the performances. So I think high side of okay makes sense for, um, for me. Um, what are some more of your general thoughts, John? So I have to say this movie is absolutely not boring. It is absolutely Correct. like you sit down with it and you, you, when I experienced this movie, I had not read the New Yorker article this was based on. So you can imagine my confusion when like the New Yorker logo pops up <laughs> in the beginning, but then <laughs> I realized, oh, this well, this is George Sanders. And I was like, oh, like after the fact, I was like, no wonder um, I had this experience. Mm -hmm. And I think I think what I do like about this movie and what I like about all movies that kind of go into this world, this kind of 
uh, ex machina like state where Mm -hmm. we're just going to take a very crafty, weird sci-fi premise and just blow it up to something really absurd. And we're going to test the boundaries of like human beings. We're going to do the black mirror thing and all of that. Yes. It's very black mirror at times. Extremely. And I haven't seen a ton of black mirror to be clear. It's, it's kind of funny how black mirror is like such a brand or such an easy thing to understand the aesthetic Uh of it, even if you haven't watched a lot of it, um, at least for me, but it, this, this is just sort of like a, a movie that kind of plays it safe at times with, its own sort of weird premise. And it's a bit imbalanced for me in that respect. I just don't think it goes all the way. It kind of reminds me a little bit of another movie with Chris Hemsworth, you know, as one of the main characters, Bad Times at the El Royale, which is a movie that I really like. I really (laughs) like that movie, but I just think it's so limited by itself. Like, I feel like it it should be like 10 times better than it is. And that's kind of how I feel about this one. And, And it's not Hemsworth. I think Hemsworth, like in this mode, his like American accent, and he's just like you know in God mode is actually yeah, I don't God mode Thor, but like <laughs> him doing it more of like this Machiavellian kind of thing uh-huh. is really compelling to me. And I'm really curious what you think of Miles Teller because I really dug what Kaczynski was doing with him in Top Gun Maverick and in Only the Brave. And now we're kind of rounding it out with this sort of unceremoniously, and I have kind of mixed feelings. So I want to hear you out. Um, I thought Miles Teller was great. I just think he's a really great actor. Um, my only issue with him in this movie is he almost felt out of tone with the movie. Like his performance was good. Like I thought really good. But Hemsworth was doing something different. And a lot of the other characters were doing something different, it seemed to me. Um, and But I, but I enjoyed it. But I, I enjoyed Hemsworth's uh, performance as well. Um, I thought it, it worked for what this movie was doing. Um, I'm sorry. I'm still shook by the, uh, the <laughs> El Royale comparison It's one of my favorite movies. Um, so, oh man, um, <laughs> well, I'm not saying the quality is the same. It's more of like it's, my experience uh-huh, of like uh-huh. what I was hoping the movie would be Listen, and it not quite. If Drew Goddard had written Spiderhead, uh, I would probably love it instead of just thinking it was was okay. Um, I'm with you there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do I do want to read the short story because I am curious like how far it goes and like how closely this aligns mm-hmm. because, you know, this movie kind of goes to some really wild places and I I don't think I liked it. I don't think I liked the destination of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That is my main issue with this film is I'm not 100% sure how it wants us to feel, what it wants us to think. That's okay. A movie doesn't have to wear its intentions on its, um, you know, on its frames. But it's just, it's one of those things where um, I at least... uh, if, if I don't have a cohesive idea of what my motives are for these characters, what I'm hoping happens, then it just gets all a little bit nebulous for me. And I don't think the ending gave me anywhere interesting or safe to land the plane, right? Like it just, you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of, you know, for lack of a better metaphor, you know, rams the plane into the side of a mountain. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't find a way for me to go, ah, here we are at the conclusion I was hoping for, or <laughs> here we are at the conclusion that I didn't see coming, or here we are at the conclusion that I did not want to have. Like, it doesn't give me any way to feel about where we end this thing. So, yeah. It's so hard to nail that ending. I think, like, 
rarely have movies managed to like I'm thinking of Alex Garland's other movie men and then that ending sure. I thought was atrocious but you know ex machina and I'm and like they make it look easy with that mm-hmm. he made it look so easy right. with how he ended it so perfectly I think like with this movie too I, I didn't know this until after the fact that these were Deadpool screenwriters um Rhett Reese and uh Paul Wernick I want to uh-huh. say and that kind of makes sense to me but I don't know if that's me sort of like reading into something here because there is a little bit of that mode of like the Deadpool character. Like I, I'm thinking of the Miles Teller and Journey Smollett characters and mm-hmm. why they're here. Like what's brought them here? I don't know if I want to give that away, but like they're not, they're clearly here dealing with some like trauma, some wound that is causing them to feel like they deserve to be in this situation to some extent. Mm-hmm. And the movie is sort of like walking both of them through like their own path of like forgiving themselves, but it's doing it with that weird sort of quirkiness of like, if, if, uh, like Deadpool, I guess. But I don't know if I'm reading into that or if that's really what the movie's sort of going for on purpose. But I mean, it, the movie is quirky, so I guess. I should. Yeah. Uh, what is this movie saying about pharmaceuticals? It is saying something that. It's very frustrating to me because I'm tell I'll tell you, Aaron, because we haven't talked about this. I finished a book earlier this year that I've been working on through the pandemic mm-hmm. and movies and shows keep taking this idea, this dosage idea that I, I have is like the central mm-hmm. thing in my book. Um, my thing is that it gives you like superpowers. And I certainly have thought a lot about like substance and mm-hmm. like what it does to us, like addiction. The right. boy season three is killing me in that respect. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, mm, I, I think this movie is taking that concept of saying like quite literally, it's a bit on the nose of like, it puts you in a prison, you know, that's mm-hmm. why we're in the spider head facility. And, you know, I, I was actually wondering too, like, what does the word spider head have to do with that? Is it really that literal the idea of like a spider you're in the spider's web and you can't get out and you know you're being manipulated by a creature that you know has you sort of like trying to get into your head i don't Mm -hmm. know if that's like me you know flailing my arms around trying to make sense out of the that's what i thought i just thought it had to do with the idea of like cobwebs you know and how pharmaceuticals you know create um confusion in your mind and those kind of I don't, that's it's it's quite a premise for a movie he made in late 2020 before like vaccine stuff and mm-hmm. like all this unrest of like the debate has opened up of like big pharma and everything mm-hmm. and that's on a lot of people's minds so i am curious like is this one of those like unintentional you know commentaries that just quite coincides with uh, people's frustrations across the spectrum i don't know yeah it's it's interesting because you definitely will hear so much uh, from so many different angles about pharmaceuticals. I have, you know, Advil has been the extent of my pharmaceutical uh, life. Like, you know, if I'm feeling sore, I'll take some Advil, like, you know, but I, I hear people and respect people who say, you know, there is no, no shame in having drugs that help you get through the day or, taking stuff for you know uh for anxiety issues or those kind of things like i hear that and then i'll hear others which i think is more in line with this movie where it's like we have to be so careful about you know dulling ourselves down to the point where we no longer understand our humanity and in those kind of things and i just think we're you know i certainly am not the person to ask about it but there's this interesting precipice that we f- seem to be on dealing with the way we understand how chemicals impact uh, who we are and what our, 
you know, things from not just well-being and health, but personality and thought process and all of those things. And certainly the, you know, the idea of the, um, the broadening of the, the marijuana conversation, um, like all of that stuff plays into this idea of, because there were definitely echoes in this movie, I thought of marijuana conversations about, you know, there were, there were some of these drugs that they're dealing with that very much seemed like it was a commentary on, um, you know, just hanging out and getting high and mm-hmm. laughing at everything. Um, so it's just, it's interesting for me because it is one of those interesting uh, conversations that, that can happen. <clears throat> it's one of those interesting conversations that can happen where I don't know exactly how I feel. And I mean, I'm like that probably more than most on a lot of things. I'm very comfortable in admitting my ignorance and in trying to continue to learn about stuff. But there are certainly many, many, I'll say political issues where I kind of know where I mostly land. You know, I kind of know where I would uh, draw lines. And, And this is one where I'm like, man, I just, I genuinely, every time somebody makes an argument about pharmaceuticals, I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm just like, it doesn't matter what the argument is. Yeah, I mean, there's a, I think there's a difference between, and it's a fine line between ignorance and uncertainty. Sure. Sure. Right. And I think in the same vein that we should be careful, in my opinion, of like what we do with pharmaceuticals and, and how much we, we put into our bodies, we should be careful of the media that tells us what to think about that stuff. Right. Right. You know, cause it is a trope. The idea of, you know, people who go through rehab, people who go through like mental health, you know, issues and they take medication and there are a lot of tropes of like, oh, it makes things foggy or, oh, it makes things this or that. And there have been times where I've been like, well, I, I kind of got that impression that that is a widespread common thing from movies and shows. I didn't get it from real life experiences. And so I, that's usually when my sort of like guard walls go up a little bit of like, well, you know, I want to experience this media. I want to take this movie at its word and, you know, listen to what it's saying. But I also want to kind of look into, you know, different types of people who are discussing it after the fact, Mm -hmm. because, you know, certainly you can go a bit far in the direction of just believing everything that you, that comes your way. Uh, and I certainly like with this movie, I do like that it, it did open my mind up because I got, I dislike it in terms of a movie, but I like what it's talking about. I like Mm -hmm. that it kind of goes there. I like that. It's sort of pushing the idea of like, well, what, what causes these experiences? What makes you laugh? Is -hmm. it really a joke or is it something that's beyond your control Mm -hmm. and like you know what does it mean to control yourself and i love how that that ties into the theme of like there are times when you do bad things because you didn't mean to and like where does the line fall on like your responsibility there right and that's where i think this movie's this movie is clicking and i'm just like cool you know this is much better than something like extraction on netflix (laughs) you know uh do i feel a little bad um you know what netflix has been kind of i've been a little bit happier with some of their original movies like very recently like with hustle and i think this is a bit better but i am kind of like judging it and criticizing it a little harshly compared to how i would something like you know six underground or whatever mm-hmm. yeah yeah um what else do we want to talk about here uh i think there is beyond the messaging and the themes and the ideas of you know pharmaceuticals and and those kind of things um there is this interesting theme that you bring up about um self-grace the idea of what it means to um to process your own decisions your own choices uh what you've done 
And maybe that's what the ending is supposed to be about is either the ability or inability to process that. And, um, and that at the end of the day, the journey is towards understanding the journey is towards healing. Um, and if you're not on that journey, then, then, you know, maybe that's the one you're supposed to get on. Um, that's at least the only thing I could, you know, kind of find my way towards, um, reconciling what, what we're supposed to think about the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think this movie, it, it is interesting in the way that it is clearly in my i think trying to get across the value of free will and how free will relates to psychosis mm -hmm. um, there's a scene in this movie involving you know dried blood mm -hmm. um and this idea of like you know how do you decide to sort of like move on from something terrible um when that thing is never going to go away not really mm -hmm. but you kind of do still have to make a choice to be something else the next day Mm -hmm. To me, that's where this that's really George Sanders. That's like mm -hmm. full on his sort of like, you know, second chance, you know, you're never, you know, no soul is beyond redemption, however high fluent you want to get about it. It actually reminds me of another movie that I think that uh, people should check out, you know, if, if you're kind of like uh, you like you some indie movies and you think like this is interesting and you want to maybe test your test your uh, your grit and watch something a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more contemplative, I would highly recommend High Life from Claire Denis, uh, one of the best films of 2019. Um, certainly, it's a, one of the best Robert Pattinson performances. Julia Binoche is in it, incredible in it as well. Definitely not as uh, accessible uh, as a, this movie, I think, which is saying something. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to, yeah, if you want to go to like the next level, I think that movie handles a lot of these same themes and very, very well. Um, and that, that that movie is very, very interested in what it means to be human like on all levels, like it is, it is, uh, all the th parts of humanity that we like to kind of put in a corner and just go, <laughs> this, that's not, that's, you know, that's, that's something we talk about. And this movie's like, uh, that's what it means to be human, by the way. <laughs> Aaron, I just, I, I honestly, I cannot get over like our conversation about light year and we're like the planet and woo, the aliens, blah, blah, blah. And then we go into spider head and we're like, Aaron, what does it mean to be human? It's just like, <laughs> Sorry, that's where my brain feature. goes. That's where my brain goes. <laughs> I guess just on a movie level, like what is, I mean, were you ever bored? I was never bored during this movie. Nah. I was always interested. I, you know, and that's the thing. Like I get, I get why you can come out of a movie like this and go, eh, I didn't really like that. I totally understand that. But I don't think you come out of this movie going, well, that was boring. Um, right. And to me, that's something. It's a swing. I always, I always dig a swing, and it's a swing that probably works for me more than most people. I imagine just because I like kind of thinking about those things um, in that way. I don't think it's poorly constructed. Is there bad movie making here? I don't think so. No. In fact, I, I think there's some derivative stuff here. Sure. I, yes. I kind of got yeah. the sense that Kaczynski was sort of like, especially with that opening scene, trying to make a movie that's a response to meme culture a little bit. And, you know, there, there's literally like a moment where I paused it because it's like, this feels like the background of like a, you know, quick meme.com thing from mm -hmm. like 2011. <laughs> so there's a little bit of that going on. It's not bad. I, this definitely seems like a movie that could very well be a cult film down the road. And I think this is one of those movies that uh, people might be, myself included, a little kinder to over the years, you know, mm -hmm. just be like, you know what? 
that movie really was like interesting and it kind mm-hmm. of maybe it'll age pretty well i don't know yeah well there you go that is spiderhead it is available on netflix uh to check out if you would like to um all right let's what would you what would you pick though aaron between spiderhead where you stay home and watch spiderhead on netflix or go to the theater and see Lightyear? go to the theater and see Lightyear. i mean come on what did you think <laughs> i was Pixar gonna say logo. The Pixar logo on the big screen itself is worth it. So. That's right. Yeah, just go watch. Go watch the Hop and Lamp. You know. You know. You know what. You know what it is. <laughs> you know the deal. Uh, before we head into the best ever challenge, a uh, reminder that you can be a Sift Pop member at Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Sift Pop. If you'd like to check that out, uh, we have conversations pretty much every week that we go uh, put in a podcast feed for our Sift Pop members. Um, that podcast feed has all the main episodes, all the bonus episodes, and no ads. So if you want to check that out again. That is patreon.com slash Pop. Check out the different levels and, um, and see what sounds interesting to you. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, all right, into the best ever challenge. We're going to do best ever Chris movies. Uh, these are the best ever movies from the four gentlemen, typically known as the Chrises. Um, is that is that right, John? Is there been another? Has there been a fifth Chris added to this group? I, I want to say there is, and I'm forgetting. Chris Catan, um, Christopher McQuarrie. <laughs> Can we do directors? Uh, I feel like yeah, we're going to get like uh, Christopher Abbott. You know, the mm-hmm. indie Chris. Yeah. We can do that if we want. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this, I think these are this is a good selection though. The four main the, yeah, the Mount Rushmore. When people Chris's. say the Chris's, these are the four that come to mind. I think so. We're sure. going with Pratt, Evans, Pine, and Hemsworth. Uh, we will go number five to number one. Uh, if you do have it higher, feel free to trump, and we will talk about it wherever it is the highest. Uh, I will kick us off at number five. Let's get into it. Bad times at the El Royale is my number five uh, Chris movie <laughs> of all time. Um, no wonder you were giving me gruff earlier. <laughs> Uh, this, of course, is Hemsworth uh, in Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, I did a rewatch of this movie within the last year or two. Time has no meaning these days, but it, it's been recently and was blown away because I thought I loved this movie. And I watched it again. I was like, oh, oh, this is a transcendent movie. I get it. Um, there is so much incredible visual metaphor work going on in this movie that I you could probably watch it four or five times and pick up new stuff like it is just the stuff this movie is doing with the idea of um a uh a a choice between two things um you know picking sides uh borderlines like all this stuff is integrated into the story 
the dialogue, the visuals, the plot so interesting in in so well. I was just I kind of had my mind blown on my last viewing. So I, I'm definitely in a an interesting recency bias about a movie that's been out for a while. <laughs> but but it is uh, really really incredible stuff. And that's before you start to get to some of these performances. Uh, which are really, really good. Bridges is amazing. Um, John Hamm does this really great thing. Like I remember the first time watching this, thinking, "Oh, John Hamm, not really, not really doing a great job in this. Like, not really buying this." Really. And then about halfway through, I okay. realized he was playing a character in the movie, and it was he was doing it perfectly because I wasn't buying his character in the movie. Um, so uh, I, I, I think he's phenomenal in this. My, my real introduction to Cynthia Erivo, who I just think is brilliant in this and many other things that she has done. Um, I really, really love this movie. Uh, I really love the way it ends um, and all the things it's saying, again, about the idea of choice and the idea of pick a side. So, yeah, brilliant stuff going on here, no matter what John Negroni says. <laughs> hey, look, I will admit I did consider this because I was like, this is one of my favorite Chris Hemsworth performances. But the one that I was going, I would have narrowly put on my list, but I didn't was the other Drew Goddard, you know, Chris Hemsworth collab, which, you know, Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. The only reason I didn't is because I was like, well, he's not he's not really the main thing about that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's not a memorable enough performance. So that's how I justified not putting it on there. And I, I, I say that wondering, like, oh, is that going to be Aaron's like number four? Uh, <laughs> we'll find I, I out. Get, no, I'll yeah. go ahead and tell. I'll go ahead and tell you now. It was in my honorable mentions. I do like okay, having it quite a bit. So yeah, I definitely had it in my honorable mentions. What's your uh, What's your number five, John? My five, and in, I'm going to get the Marvel movies out of the way. There's two on my list. They're five and four. Five is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, okay. and I pick Volume Two over the first one because. You know, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is probably the best Marvel movie uh, or one of them. And I'm very, very looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm looking forward to I haven't seen the trailer, but I hear maybe some Guardian action is going to be in the next door. Who knows? But Volume 2, I always liken it to the B-side to Guardians 1. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the deeper sort of like hit. Every time I rewatch Guardians of the Galaxy, I think it's fun. I think it's blockbuster entertainment. I think the characters are amazing. And I love Chris Pratt, and it's my favorite Chris Pratt thing. Because I think of all of the big blockbuster movies we've gotten from Chris Pratt over the years, and you know Jurassic World especially, I just feel like the Guardians movies get his appeal. Mm-hmm. Like what, what makes him appealing to everybody, mm-hmm. including his harshest critics. And I, I think people kind of dislike the guy unfairly, you know, in a mm-hmm. sort of like you know, abstract way of like, ah, yeah, okay, Chris Pratt, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's, you know, his stuff about his personal life, whatever they want to do, that doesn't matter. Uh, for me, I think the Guardians movie showcase like him at working his best, his mm-hmm. best, most appealing mood. And I think that's explored most thoroughly in volume two, which is his daddy issues. Yeah. And the themes of that movie have just never left me. They just like, I, not to say anything negative about the first Guardians, I think volume two is just like one of Marvel's most like resonant stories. Uh, like what it's saying on so many levels about abandonment and familial trauma. And every time I rewatch it, every time I get more and more out of it. And I think it's it's one of the sneaky, brilliant Marvel movies. So it's not my favorite one. Uh, there's one more that I was going to bring up that has a Chris in it. And almost all of them do, I guess. But uh, yeah. <laughs> guardians i think it got i think it got a little bit of you know like eh, whatever it's not that great in 2017 but uh you know i really like it i like both the guard- I, yeah i like both the guardians of the movies i don't blame you for that um 
yeah, my uh, Marvel pick is in my honorable mention. I won't mention it yet, just in case it's your number four. Um, so that'll bring me to my number four, which is Chris Pine in Heller High Water. I have it uh, number four. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I thought maybe you'd trump that one. I thought maybe you had that one uh, higher. Um, but yeah, Hell or High Water is one of, I also have a lot of recency bias with this. I just watched this, uh, introduced a friend to this like within the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a perfect movie. It's one of those movies you watch and you just go, oh, that's a perfect film. Um, it's so well done. It's uh, perfect from beginning to end. And I just, I love everything that's going on here. So yeah, love Hell or High Water. No comment yet. Oh, maybe you should have trumped it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I didn't because I just I, 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 uh, I, I was uh, too slow on the quick draw there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you did you did something kind of quick. I think that's great. Um, but yeah, we might have to we might have we'll to talk about it a little bit more later. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is your number four? My number four, and I think it's probably the best Marvel movie that doesn't have Avengers in the title. It's Thor Ragnarok, which yes. I think is just a. A home run in every respect. And the reason the reason I think it's one of the best Chris movies is because it took a Chris who had been neglected, who had been done wrong in so many of these like Dark World, uh, the first Thor to some extent, Avengers Age of Ultron. I mean, I just think that that Thor character and that Chris Hemsworth performance, it wasn't terrible, but it just wasn't the full Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. experience. And this movie was so good at redefining Chris Hemsworth's like contribution to the Marvel universe that they went and made another Thor movie. They made a fourth Thor movie. Mm-hmm. How many how many other Marvel characters have gotten four movies? <laughs> but <laughs> this movie was so good it sort of erased those first two in terms of like you know what people's expectations for a Thor movie could be. How how much fun can you have with the Asgardian characters? And it's I think all comes down to Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth just being so good at bouncing off of each other, both on the screen and clearly like behind the camera, right? And I just, I think his journey in this movie is so interesting. Like the idea of what Ragnarok is, the idea of Asgard not being a place. I mean, every time I rewatch this movie, I come back to it for the last because it's, it's very, very funny. Chris Hemsworth is very much a comedic powerhouse in this, but I think what pushes it to the next you know step you know the next level of great marvel movies for me is there's really good dramatic heft in this and there, mm-hmm. there are choices he makes beyond just being like i gotta beat up the person him using his head and also being clever and to me that's what being a chris is all about as a john to my fellow <laughs> to my chris's this this is this is the kind of chris mode you want to go in i think uh, I enjoy Ragnarok as well. Uh, my Marvel movie and my honorable mentions was Infinity War, um, which hmm. uh, I, I over really Endgame. That's interesting. I think Infinity War is a much superior movie to Endgame. But uh, no kidding, we'll, we'll have to have that debate one day. I yeah. think Endgame is the best Marvel movie. I'd, yeah, by far. I think it has the 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 most um, standing ovation moments. But I, as far as like an actual movie goes, I think Infinity War is feels more complete and more interesting to me uh than i get that in game does uh anyhow yeah that's uh pratt evans we'll put them together aaron and we'll just say it's one big movie we both love a it lot. is <laughs> it, it, yeah i totally get that i totally get that uh perspective uh, all right on to our number threes um i have a chris pratt movie at number three uh calling it a chris pratt movie is a a bit of a stretch, but he definitely plays a decent role in Moneyball, uh, which comes in huh. at my number three. 
Um, yeah, my love for this movie is well known. Uh, I think Brad Pitt is perfect in this movie. I love uh, so much about... It's interesting because sports movies are well known for being like underdog movies, right? And this this movie does a really... I mean, once you get past just the fun dialogue, the sorkinness of it all, like, you know, all that, you get to this movie that is doing the sports movie off the field, right? It's a sports movie where the typical underdog story isn't taking place on the field. It's taking place off the field. And this own, this, um, I shouldn't say owner, operate, uh, operations manager, director, whatever the you know title is uh, for Billy Bean, um, is the underdog because he's doing something in such a new and different way. And man, I am just a sucker for that kind of story where it's like the the guy with the new ideas, the person with the new ideas comes in and shakes up the, you know, the old gray hairs and um, says, you know, here's a new way to look at this. Here's a new way to do it. Um, it helps that it's based in reality. Uh, and, that you know, this is a true thing that Billy Bean did with the Oakland Athletics. Um, so yeah, I just, I really, really enjoy this movie. Um, it is a pleasure to watch and it is my number three. I, I'm going to have to revisit it because I haven't seen it since that Oscar season mm -hmm. when it got nominated for like tons of awards and everything. Mm -hmm. And I remember liking it a lot at the time for that reason. It's like, it was so innovative for, there hadn't been a lot of sports movies like that's what you're saying. And we would go on to get more like this. We'd get like high flying bird, for example. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I love that. I, I love any movie that like takes something that I'm not usually that interested in, in this case, baseball. And, you know, especially the number system behind baseball and mm -hmm. stats and things like that. Like I've never been into that. And it kind of, makes it exciting and interesting to watch because and the characters are exciting and interesting. With characters it. are so great. The relationship and chemistry between Pitt and Jonah Hill is so perfect in this movie. And yeah, I love, I love so much of what goes on here. Yeah. I'd highly Chris recommend rewatch. Uh, <laughs> honorary Chris, Let's honorary <laughs> Chris. Yes. Uh, what do you got at number three? Well, I was going to say uh, Oscars 2022 and put Chris rock in it, but then, uh, you know, <laughs> The producer of the show told me that he would, uh, I would never work in this town again. So that's true. That's no, true. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Snowpiercer, oh, okay. which tough for me not to have it higher, but this is my Chris Evans pick. And you'll notice I did one, at least one for every Chris, mm -hmm. except the best Chris gets two. So you can do the <laughs> math there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this is my favorite Chris Evans movie. Um, I, I, I mean, look, I, I do really love like what he does with Captain America because who doesn't? Uh, mm -hmm. Captain America First Avenger is such an exemplary film. Okay, sure. But Snowpiercer is like, this is the movie I get out of bed for. I like this movie so much. Uh, this is Bong Joon-ho, of course. Mm -hmm. I like this premise so much. Uh, my wife and I watched the show on FX, uh, which just finished its third season. And it's so funny to me because like it takes like what this movie was doing and it stretches out into a series and it does its own thing with it, which is really interesting. But it kind of rests on how just biting the commentary is in this movie which itself mm. i think was like based on um a different property of like a different thing it's xerox scan of another thing um bong joon ho kind of took put his own stamp on it but just this idea of like the underclass going through this train and you just watch the disparate levels of the class warfare in this it's it's clearly the prototype to parasite which would go on to be you know bong joon ho's most celebrated work and it starts here. 
And I think Chris Evans is such a key component to that because he is playing a character you haven't really seen before from the guy. I mean, at this point, we'd seen him as like Human Torch. We'd seen like not another teen movie. We'd seen, you know, uh, Scott Pilgrim, I think was right before this, uh, where he, he's been, he was like that kind of, you know, jerk, you know, kind of like, eh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but in a funny way. And, you know, we, had, I, I remember like when he was going to be Captain America, people were like, wait, what? And it's totally swatched like gone totally in the other direction right now people are like it's chris evans he's like you know america's you know but you know what are you gonna do and <laughs> snowpiercer though i think i is thought that peak. was southern california i, I could i could have been yeah. wrong but. Hmm. yeah yeah i think that <laughs> but no i think i think snowpiercer is peak like bad chris evans like evil chris evans but in a, a righteous way and it's such an interesting combination of those things and there's a reveal in this movie i of course will not give away of how dark this person has gone this person you've been rooting for the entire time and it speaks to the themes of the movie it speaks to like quite literally the atmosphere of this movie like where it exists in a future where the world is you know in a new ice age and i just think this movie absolutely like like the train itself it just never stops moving in in every respect so snowpiercer it's mm. good choice definitely in my honorable mentions and just to be clear i was not trying to make some uh, political metaphorical statement i was was just saying i was like i was just "Mm, saying (laughs) the shape of america i think it has that has to be the back right like i mean america's genitals are clearly at the front uh (laughs) lower portion and so the butt has to be i'm just it was all geographical is all i was saying uh moving quickly out of that conversation into into the number twos um this is where i have knives out uh chris evans uh is in knives out and i love this movie so much um man it is so nice to see a murder mystery old school style murder mystery done with such respect such care in such seriousness, if I'm being honest. And yes, it's fun and funny, and it has that little bit of quirk that murder mysteries have to have when they're done this way, but it feels authentic. It feels real, even as like some sort of hyper-reality. It just still feels like um, something that's really happening. Add to that that it has a consistent, coherent theme and message that it's getting at as well, and obviously it's going to be a home run for me. Um, I think Ryan Johnson is a genius. Uh, I'm always excited to see what he does next. Um, I am super bummed that they felt like they had to put knives out in the title. Uh, it just infuriates <laughs> yeah. me. Uh, I mean, why not a Benoit Blanc mystery? Why not? Jo- why not, John? Why? Like, is the, do they think the audience is so dumb? That they that they will not go see like they will not figure out that this is the answer is unequivocally yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, marketing people, man. I'm just like, at least it's not knives out too. Like, good. At least he got to call it Glass Onion. You know, the new movie is going to be Great called title. Glass Onion. Great title. Awesome. Um, I just wish it was Glass Onion. I just wish that was the movie title. I don't know why it needs anything else. Um, yeah, start the title with, in 1995, Ryan Johnson <laughs> bought a toy. <laughs> this is yes, toy. Yes, exactly. Um, but uh, but yes, anyhow, Knives Out uh, is is really, really great, and I'm super excited to see all the Benoit Blanc mysteries as, uh, as they continue. Um, mm. So yeah, this is my number two. What's your number two, John? 
Uh, well, for, uh, real quick, I do want to say yeah. Knives Out, I strongly considered it. Only reason I didn't is because the ensemble is so amazing. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I want to pick something where it's more of like Chris Evans at the center. But this right. would be my other Chris Evans pick yeah. because this is one of those rare movies that like plays with what you already think about Chris Evans mm-hmm. and uses that. And like, Ryan Johnson is so smart, like you said. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 He's brilliant. Great pick. My number two. Okay. I told you my the best Chris is going to get two movies. Uh-huh. So number two, his second best is, of course, Wonder Woman. Uh, everybody knows it um you know i i had to put wonder woman here because it's not the best movie but i think it is one of the best chris movies because it gets at why i think chris pine is the best chris because like what is a chris let's get philosophical for a moment pull up a chair um chris pine in this movie captures to me like the type of guy that is obviously a hero he's masculine he He's heroic. He has all the like machismo, the the kind of like typical old fashionedness of that, but in a modern way, in a way that like we more understand how to how to like present yourself and function in a society where those traits can go to good use. And Wonder Woman is such a great like it's okay to have, you know, this guy sort of like not in the back seat, but as the supportive character to Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. And I just love what he does in that respect. He was so good in this movie. They had to bring him back for 1984, which we talked about <laughs> uh, back in 2020, and it didn't quite uh, uh. work there. Um, but I think that this movie still holds up quite well in that respect. I think the reason this movie works as well as it does is because of Pine um, and how he bounces off Gal Gadot and as that just that secondary character, but really like a co-lead um, in a movie that you know he doesn't have powers. He He's a scrappy dude mm-hmm. and he's trying to, but he has so much grace and intelligence and just, just such a heart in this movie that I think can sometimes be missing from the other Chris's. Like they get all the other things right, but it's like, where's that heart? Where are those like beady eyes that are going to tell me that everything is okay? Uh, that's, that's Chris Pine. He's, he's a service to society and I'm going to, I'm going to get even further into that in uh, my next one, but uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get into it. Our number ones. Uh, my number one is a Chris Pratt film. Uh, well, does he, that mean you think Pratt is the best Chris? Uh, Pratt is the only Chris that made my top five twice. Uh, so that's, that's a tacit that, endorsement. That does not mean I think he's the best Chris. It does, however, think uh, uh, mean that I think he's made good movie choices. Uh, Fair enough. He has a role in one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Her, and so I have her at number one. Um, I love this movie. I've talked about it many, many times. It's vision of the future of technology and it's vision of how technology is evolving us is so precise and so, uh, makes so much sense that it's almost hard to watch. Um, because you really get a look at what our future is uh, as we approach the singularity. Um, and it's it's just, it's wild to me uh, how smart this movie is about personal assistance in the future. And came out at a time where personal assistance were really just kind of starting. You watch this movie now and you go, oh yeah, well, we've seen this. And it's like, yeah, but we saw this after this movie came out, a lot of uh, kind of what it's referencing and what it's doing. It just feels like such a a inevitable view of the future and um and i find it's it's themes it's performances and everything about it so interesting and meaningful so yeah 
If I knew we could pick her, one of the <laughs> best films ever made. I mean, Chris Pratt's in it. It's in he's, the category. It's he's in the category. In it. So see, I thought this we is were the supposed thing. to pick the no. main character. Maybe, maybe I need to be more clear about this. The best ever challenge is designed as a way to pick a category and then pick the best movies in that I, category. It's not meant to necessarily be a philosophical statement on, you know. <laughs> Oh, I'm what putting is... that part in myself. For sure. uh, <laughs> but I, I, I like, in, I like that everybody interprets it differently. I, that's that's fun for me. Um, but yes, in general, it's just like if it fits the category, then just rank the movies. Yeah. It does work out because then we get to have pretty different lists here. So yeah. Yeah. In that respect, I got to say, uh, you know, belated Trump to my number one, which is Hell or High Water. Nice. Which your recency bias um, in this case actually is working out. Because Heather Highwater, like you said, perfect movie. Um, Taylor Sheridan is just, there is something about the way that that man um, taps into the neo-Western mythos, which is still ongoing. It's still being developed. Has he I has think, he cloned himself? How is he doing as much as he is doing? I don't understand. Right. It's wild how much he's responsible for. Between film and TV, it, it is pretty insane. And I, I definitely like, I think that, that he's had weak efforts before. Like, he's not, you know... He's not a full on like can do no wrong kind of guy. Um, I do think that, for example, Wind River, with you know, kind of the follow up to this, I don't think was quite as good. But but it's still a good movie. Wind River is not a bad movie. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. Even even at his lows, it's still pretty good stuff. And I think Sicario is probably his best effort overall. I guess Uh, because I think that compared to Hell or High Water, it, it I think you could argue that it's the better movie on some things, but. I mean, I just watching this in the theater and I didn't know what I was in for. I certainly went into it knowing that it was okay. Chris Pine. I already knew at that point it was the best Chris. I'd already been one over. I was like, <laughs> okay, but what about, you know, I think um, Ben Foster and, and you know, what are, what are we going to get from this movie? Is it going to be kind of like a slow sort of thing? It's like, oh, it's going to be one of those bank robber things where the whole thing is I'm just trying to get away. No, it is a kind of a, this neo heist movie where it's just like we're gonna do as many heists as we can before we get caught and you know again i'm picking so many these chris movies have so much in common with class warfare it's a little uh suspicious actually but Mm -hmm. this gets to the other aspect of chris pine is the best chris um which is my campaign uh ongoing i think that in this movie he captures the dark side of you know the chris's in general um he captures the the combination of like being part of a system or being part of a structure that is objectively evil. You know, what he is doing is objectively wrong. Um, but because he has his own moral code and he's adapting it to his own, you know, needs, that is like such a deeper and more heartfelt commentary on Americans in general, especially in, you know, West Texas, than I can certainly come up with. Um, certainly that I can sum up and if I try to write it myself, I don't think I could. Um, and I just think that Chris Prine brings that humanity to a dark human being uh, in a way that is sympathetic without glorifying his actions. That That's like the weird line. What makes this movie so genius is like it does not come out on the side of like this was a good idea, but it does come out on the side of like this was inevitable, you know, to kind of mm-hmm. borrow what you were saying about her uh, in terms of like technology just as inevitable as I think uh, as we make way into like the her of like the, you know, our world, mm-hmm. I think this is the dying, you know, this is like what is going to eventually die out. 
And it's these people in the situation who were promised something and given something totally different. And we watch the consequences of that. Um, so genius movie. Yeah, you were you were spot on, Aaron, to to put it at number three. I just think that you you accidentally put a three there or four or whatever it was, <laughs> and I think you meant number one, but that's okay. That uh, it may it may climb there. It really it continues to climb up my favorites of all time. Um, so good. It, and each each watch um, burgeons that case. I I was floored this last watch um, in a fresh way by the final scene between Pine and. Um, why is his bridges is that right jeff bridges Who's, jeff bridges yes. yes yeah um for some reason i was back in bad times at el royale and i was like well it can't be jeff saying, bridges. he was he wasn't yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but their last scene together has so much underneath <sighs> it and like on the like i it's just it's it's brilliant writing it really is it's just brilliant writing and the whole movie is is just so very very good. So yeah, Hell or High Water is certainly a great choice. Uh, for and I do want to give props to Dave McKenzie. I didn't mention him as the director. Um, Taylor sure. Sheridan wrote the film, so just yeah. to you know, bona fides all around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's take a look at some honorable mentions. What did you have? Honorable mentions? I didn't write any. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, here's I, what I, have. I I can think through them while you do yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I. I, I actually just did the math uh, in my top five and then the honorable mentions I'm about to honorably mention. Um, each Chris is represented with five movies. I did not do that on purpose. Uh, it is wild to me that it comes out exactly five, 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 five. Um, but that is Impressive. the case. Uh, part of that is I already mentioned Infinity War with Pratt Evans and Hemsworth. Uh, I'll get to count that one. Um, Lego movie. Pratt gets to count, um, which I think is worth a mention. Really enjoy that. Zero Dark Thirty, Pratt gets to count. Um, I think that's worth a mention. Uh, we briefly mentioned Scott Pilgrim, which Evans gets to count. Um, Gifted is one of my favorite Chris Evans movies. Oh, um, really, really enjoy that one. Um, so I have that one listed. Uh, Star Trek, I think, is worth mentioning. The first uh, Abrams Star Trek is really good. Pine Ams Hemsworth get to count that one. Um, so, uh, that's Star Trek unstoppable, I think is worth a watch. I think pine gets to count that one. Um, this is one many people will disagree with me. That's fine. You're not me. I loved this movie, uh, into the woods. Uh, Chris pine gets to count, uh, Chris pine not only gets to count into the woods. He is phenomenal in that movie. I love him so much. He's so fun. That is just the musical nerd in me coming out. I think probably, but I really did enjoy into the woods. Uh, Chris pine also gets to count Spider-Man into the spider verse. Um, so, um, so he'll get that in his column. You mentioned Cabin in the Woods that Hemsworth gets in his column. Rush, I think, is worth putting in the Hemsworth column. Um, really, really enjoy that movie. Uh, and then you mentioned Snowpiercer, which goes in the Evans column. So those were my honorable mentions. Uh, five movies each, it turns out. All right. I agree with a ton of those, mm -hmm. uh, for sure. I think of the Chris Pratt's, um, and, and hopefully I'm not repeating too many that you've already said here, but I, I, do, I do really like Onward. I think mm -hmm. that I not everybody too. loves his voice work in that, but I do really like it. Wanted, which is the first time I ever saw him in anything, um, you know, kind of a bit role in Wanted, but I really, I liked that movie quite a bit. And I remember people kind of so shrugged bad. at it, Yeah, but I, I thought that was quite good. I was sad it, didn't, it never got like an extra movie. And then I have to echo you on, yeah, Lego movie is probably the best movie that mm -hmm. he's like the main character in, in my, I think probably, um, I wasn't a big fan of some of his other stuff, but I did like Jurassic World, you know, when they were kind of testing him out in blockbuster mode. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that that's a movie that hasn't aged super well, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it, it's not as good as I remember it. But I, man, the first time watching Jurassic World in the theater was pretty great. Yeah. I agree. I agree with a bunch of your your Chris Evans picks. I mean, Captain America: The First Avenger, I, absolutely. Uh, I like The Losers, even though it's not a great movie. Same for Push. Um, those are just kind of like when, he, again, they they're kind of doing like, okay, Chris Evans, action hero. How do we do it? You know, I think he had like a role in like Street Kings. You know, and none of those movies quite clicked for me. But I definitely liked. Uh, what they did with him in before we go with him and alice eve not a movie everybody likes but i kind of like that sort of like romantic comedy chris evans is interesting put him in put him in some romantic comedies again i want to see that Mm -hmm. i think that would be really great uh as for hemsworth who hemsworth is so interesting because like i haven't liked a lot of right movies like rush you mentioned of course and did you not like rush I no, I the, oh, okay. those are like the rare exceptions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's so many that I just think are like ah, not I agree. quite like Red Dawn and Ghostbusters and yeah. Uh, so the five the five him the five Hemsworth movies that I counted were basically two. Uh, well, three were Hemsworth movies: Bad Times at the mm-hmm. El Royale, Cabin in the Woods, and Rush. And then the other two were just Marvel and um, yeah. Star Trek. A bit, you know, a bit part in Star Trek. So yeah. He's so good, but yeah, it's weird. I mean, Twelve Strong, I thought was okay, but you know, nothing like wow. You know, you got to see it. Get out of get out of the house. Let's go. Some of them are terrible. Um, like, uh, was yeah. it in, was it in the heart of the sea? Is that the name of that movie? Yeah, I don't think that's terrible, I but it, terrible. it definitely is forgettable. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a sucker for movies with matte backgrounds. Uh, <laughs> okay, well there you go. Yeah, as for Pine, I mean, we yeah, Star Trek, Carriers. I, I'm a big fan of Carriers. I think that's like a really cool little movie that people kind of miss. Prince's Diaries too. Okay. He's, I strongly considered it, and again, I was like, you know, never work in this town again. Grony, if you put Princess Iris two is number one. So Listen, I, I put it into the woods in there, so you know. There you mm-hmm. go. Yeah, Outlaw King. Really like Outlaw King. Nice. Uh, better movie than I thought it would be. Um, he, he, yeah, some of them have been stinkers, like This Means War and Finest Hours. I don't think it's that great. And Wrinkle in Time, I think, is so sad. But you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Overall, though, Chris Pine, best Chris in my opinion. There you go. Uh, all right. Let's move on from that for uh, head to our buried treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want people to know about? I will go first uh, because you're our guest. So you could finish us off. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with Stranger Things uh, part one of season four, um, which I know dropped a while nice. ago. Um, but if you started watching it when it dropped, you would just now be finishing. That's how long these episodes are. Um, no, I do remember <laughs> when I saw the runtime of these episodes, I was like, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> the next day you were done. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, I, we started, my wife and I started watching it and we were hooked and we were just like, we are going to plow through this because this, I think this is the best Stranger Things since season one. I really Agreed. do. Yeah. And, um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the storytelling has really tightened up this season. Um, I, I know the Ironically, stakes. Considering yeah. the runtime. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, I know the stakes for every one of these characters. I find their actions to make sense. I'm, you know, I'm with them. Um, it's doing a really good job of, you know, separating and bringing back. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with what they're doing with Stranger Things this season. I did not expect to like it as much as I did. So yeah, I, I wanted to give that a shout out. Same here. I mean, I started it being like, I doubt I'll get through this, but mm-hmm. I, 
I was like, oh my gosh, like this has urgency again. Yes. This has, yeah. Because it feels like they're moving it toward an end game. Like the mm-hmm. first season was like people could actually die now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it kind of was not like that before. It was kind of cartoony before. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, with the exception of Will Byers, I think all of these characters are getting their due, but they really... Will Byers needs a revolution uh, in this show because mm-hmm. they just keep dropping the ball on his character. Just mm-hmm. let him be what they're clearly setting him up to be and make that part of the story, please. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so sick of them dancing around it. But yeah, otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Whew, no, totally. The twist. I'm not going to say it, but the twist is quite good. I, I actually was it's pretty really good how they pulled that off. It's really good. It's great yeah. storytelling. It's just great storytelling. It's a perfect story yeah. turn. The, the best story turns are the ones where you both are, um, whether or not, you know, when you saw it coming or how you saw it coming, you know, whenever that moment was for you was a beautiful surprise, right? right. Even if it's not in the exact moment that they reveal it, but it also makes complete sense. Those are the best story turns when you can pull off both of those things. Um, and Especially I think, when the show like signals that it's coming because the show mm-hmm. along it's it's always being like this doesn't make sense and mm-hmm. it's telling the audience like this isn't us being like bad writers it doesn't make sense for a reason put the pieces together yourself and that's something that a lot of stories forget to do mm-hmm. so people think it's just like flaws in the storytelling and they're not being signaled to do some detective work but right. Stranger Things of course you got a yeah. you know a little fun mystery yeah no it trusts the audience in a way that I I always appreciate so yeah what's your uh, buried treasure. I'm going to carry on a theme that I think I've been doing every time you've invited me on, Aaron, and that's, uh, <laughs> you know, we always talk about Pixar stuff, right? And I I, got, I go animation, and I love animation, um, obviously, but uh, I've recommended anime in the past. Uh, I think I've recommended manga in the past, and I'm going to recommend something that is both great uh, in those respects, and that is Spy X Family, which has been just ruling my heart uh, for the last month and a half. Uh, the first season is about to finish up. It's on Crunchyroll. And Spy X Family, for people who aren't familiar, the manga has already been out. It's already been completed. Uh, I've been reading the manga for the first time because I love the anime that much. Um, and I thought my favorite anime of this year was going to be Ranking of Kings, which is also like unbelievably excellent, unbelievably good. I, I'm like in shock of how fantastic manga and anime has been since 2020. It has just been like... A, a totally different like scale of good lately for me at least and spy x family i think is the culmination of that the premise of this aaron because uh, i don't know if you're familiar with it so no not I'll, at I'll all try to explain it so the story of spy x family is we're in a sort of cold war era uh fantasy world it's not fantasy but i'm just saying it's like alternate you know mm-hmm. it's like the technology of the 1960s but it's like different kind of countries uh but it's it's representing like east and west berlin And this is a world where people are like spies. um, And so like being a spy is like the most dangerous thing you can do. There's like a secret police that's like very like intense in that very like manga anime way. Mm -hmm. And we follow a spy named Twilight. Uh, That's the guy on the left there who, you know, has never had a family. He's never been interested in romantic prospects. He has a lot of traumas in his past, but he's one of the best spies out there and he's given a mission as a as a perpetual bachelor somebody who's always put the mission first that he has to start a fake family in order to enroll a child at the most prestigious school in this country so that he can get close to essentially this anime's version of hitler like someone who's starting trying Mm. to start like a nazi party Mm -hmm. um, and is like seeing success and so he adopts this little girl who unbeknownst to him and Hear me out on this, Aaron, because I know what you're going to do. <laughs> she is a telepath. Uh-huh. 
uh, because she is uh, an experiment of like these kinds of uh, things that they're trying to do to start wars and like they explain it eventually but mm-hmm. she can read minds so she knows that he's a spy and then of course they need a wife and you know they just happen by happenstance unbeknownst to him uh they find somebody who is an assassin (laughs) and that's the mom in this family she's an assassin who is in part of this family because she doesn't want people to be suspicious that she's not married uh, because she's an assassin and she's trying you know that's her like side job or whatever Mm -hmm. and this little girl knows that her fake mom and dad but to her are real parents are a spy and an assassin and she thinks it's the most exciting thing in the world and absolutely loves it and this show is basically perfect i I, this anime i like literally aaron like we started this up and uh i got the notification the new episode came out today and i was like ah you know another thing to look forward to after i get to have this super fun conversation with aaron (laughs) who's so great then i get to watch spy x family what a perfect saturday so (laughs) yeah nice uh spy x family uh available on crunchyroll in stranger things season four part one available on netflix part two coming pretty soon i think think in july, july. yeah i think so it's yeah coming. we're just a couple weeks away uh from part two uh dropping as well well we did it john we managed to do a podcast today uh congratulations impressive stuff and yeah. really really um put all the cords in the right places and you know had sound come out of our mouths <laughs> and uh, uh sometimes recorded, recorded digitally yes <laughs> yes occasionally <laughs> Uh, thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at Studio DNA Media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, huge thanks to Phil for, for for producing the audio and video show today. And big thanks to John Negroni uh, for hanging out with us today. Uh, John, where do you want to send people? Um, where do you want them to check out? Well, first of all, thanks for just letting me do this. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's the most fun thing, uh, talking about stuff that's super fun. Um, even though we talked about two movies we didn't love that much, but that's <laughs> fine. Uh, uh, no, if, if you're kind of like, hey, you know, this guy, he's I like the cut of his jib. And if you want to, you know, hear me talk about more things in any sort of uh, movie form or whatever, uh, I do a podcast called Cinemaholics with Will Ashton from Collider. And every week we talk about tons of movies uh so cinemaholics.com is where you go for all that stuff that's where i also put reviews i'm also the film editor of the youngfolks.com that's where where i edit reviews um if you want to write a movie review or you want to write about film and you're a bit younger and you want to uh have a a mentor like me unfortunately um, (laughs) i'm always welcoming applications to check out the young folks Uh, i love teaching people how to think about film and write about film so absolutely open invitation to do that Uh, i'd love to work with you um, so yeah, just check that out. Um, find me on Twitter. If you want to hit me up, my DMS are open. John Negroni on Twitter. Boom. Very nice. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif pop members for giving monthly to make Sif pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month and you get access to uh, bonus episodes, other fun perks. You can check all that out there. Um, you can find out the information at patreon.com slash sift pop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating or a review at Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. And you can even email old school email, uh, cause email has become old school now, uh, at feedback at siftpop.com. Can we snail mail as well? Aaron? <laughs> Feel free. Feel free. All right. Uh, finally, if you're having a good time, your movie loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than officially getting bingo. 
Uh, we will be back next week with some chat on Elvis, Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, as well as some other fun stuff. And we will see you then. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.